Welcome to Soulful Vedas Podcast. We are Ayurvedic health coaches that heal imbalances in the mind, body, and spirit. We are here to guide you on your healing journey with soulful wisdom and higher intuition. You are your best healer and your moment to connect your highest self is now. Thank you everyone for coming on to the show today. Angelica and I are back together. It was so fun last time we did an episode together. So we're coming back this week and today we're going to talk about energy healing and more specifically Reiki, which Angelica is an expert in. So I can't wait to pick her brain and have her share all of her Reiki knowledge with all of you. So just to introduce the episode, Angelica, will you start by just kind of laying the groundwork and the foundation for everyone? Like what, what is Reiki? How do you, how do you personally define it? Yeah, so Reiki, um, defined Rei, R-E-I, means universal, and Ki, K-I, means energy. And so it means universal healing energy. And it's a type of loving energy that's um, channeled from the spiritual realm to bring healing. So it can bring no harm. It only brings in love and compassion. And it heals the energetic body, which can also affect our mental body and our physical body. So it's a really broad range of, of healing that it can bring, I, I could say. So it's not like it heals specific things. Um, it just heals the energetic body, which just automatically heals the mental body and the physical body in different ways. It's really specific to that person. Mm, I love that. And will you, just so everyone is also on the same page with this, just talk through the differences between the physical body, the mental body, and the energetic body? Because I think not only can that be confusing, but it's also helpful to understand how they're all connected and how they you know, really mirror one another. Yeah, that's a really good point. So we'll start by taking one specific example. So for example, let's say someone is experiencing burnout, meaning they're at their job for too many hours a day, they're working themselves to fatigue, and this is what's happening on the spiritual level where there's a disconnect between them and their purpose, right? They're feeling drained. Their energy is feeling drained because they're not aligned with what they should be doing, what their truth is. And so that's why they're getting burnt out. So that's what's happening kind of on the spiritual level. And you'll notice how this can happen energetically is obviously they feel less, less energized, but um, you know, if you, were a clairvoyant and you you were able to see their auric field, you'd be able to see something visibly um, that there was a change in their energy that maybe their light is maybe a little bit more diminished. And so that directly affects the mental body. So in this specific case, what's happening mentally is this person may be more angry and frustrated easily. So let's say someone comes to them with a problem at work and they kind of flip off the handle. They're easily irritated, and that's because their own cup is not full, and so anything can really just turn them off with the drop of a dime. And then what we see is how this manifests physically, for example, is they may be experiencing heartburn. They may be experiencing high blood pressure. They may be experiencing acne. And, you know, I'm using the example of the energetics behind Ayurveda, which is a whole nother layer, but you can see how this really plays out from going, it first affects the energetic body. It's a spiritual disconnection. And then you can see how it manifests in the mental body and the physical body. And essentially it's all the same thing, right? What's causing this is 
the lack of connection to their purpose and it's manifesting in all three bodies. That was a beautiful explanation. And one thing I, I want to mirror back, you tell me if this is true for you, is that the really cool thing about energy work is, you know, from an Ayurvedic perspective, when someone's out of balance, the primordial cause of that is breathing our true nature of spirit. And to even break that down further is to forget that we're purely divine and that we're, you know, spiritual beings having a human experience. And so when you're giving someone energy healing or more specifically Reiki, what you're doing is you're you're going straight to the root, straight to the source, and you're healing on that level so that, you know, anything that is showing up in your mental, your physical body is, you know, being alleviated or being balanced out by working at it from this different angle and in this different dimensional plane. Yes, Does that exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Beautiful. So I want to hear more about your first experience with Reiki. How did it happen? Who was your healer? Tell us all the details behind that and what really connected you to this. Yeah, it's interesting. So I don't remember the first time someone may have given me Reiki at like the end of a yoga class. Um, at least it's not coming to mind at the moment. But my first Reiki one training, I honestly didn't feel that connected to the energy. I was trained so there's two different ways that you can receive the reiki energy and an older way was through attunements so basically the teacher would directly put their energy into yours and sometimes what was happening in this attunement process was that they were transferring their own energy into yours and so it's depleting for them but also it's not a pure energy that you're receiving and so my first experience, I, I'm not sure what it was. And, you know, maybe I was receiving the energy and I just wasn't as intuitive at the time to be able to recognize it. But I, I didn't have this like visceral experience. I didn't have really any visions or colors and I wasn't necessarily feeling anything. So it kind of felt like, well, I don't, I don't know about this. <laughs> so I, you know, I went with the training anyways and I did it. And um, I noticed after that, I was starting to become aware of my intuition more and, and trusting it and starting to see signs in just the small ways of feeling, for example, in a, in the yoga class, if I had a student in there and understanding what was happening in them on an energetic level, like if I felt like the collective class was ungrounded, for example, and I didn't know why, but like then I felt ungrounded throughout class. So immediately you kind of blame yourself and you're like, gosh, I'm so all over the place today. And then by the end of class, everyone comes out and they're like, gosh, that was so grounding. I feel really rooted and secure now. And I'm so confused because that was the complete opposite of what I felt. But what was happening was the energetic exchange was I was taking on the energy of my students, which is feeling anxious and fearful, ungrounded. And I was giving them my grounding energy. And so that's when I started to kind of put those puzzle pieces together. So it was at a very preliminary uh, gateway, I guess you could say, into the intuitive world. And it was just laying down the groundwork. That's fascinating. And I love the way you explain that because I, I felt that same thing as an instructor. And, you know, I, I truly thought it was my energy. And now that you say that, it really starts to click into place. Like, no, this is like creating the energy and like, picking up what you know you want to take away from them as a teacher and giving them something that's more balancing for them and you know you really put a name to it and captured it and articulated it really well so that was that was really beautiful and you know this kind of segues into my next question which is you know as practitioners if anything we typically are drawn to something either because it was 
you know, our intuition calling us forward or our personal experience. And then we truly embody what we're practicing, right? Like, you know, for us, it's, it's normally Ayurveda and practicing that in our own, in our own ways and in our own lives and lifestyles. And so I'd love for you to share, like, what's your favorite way to use Reiki energy on yourself or even your favorite way to use Reiki in coaching sessions or just in general? Because I think, you know, what I think of when I think of a Reiki session is like almost like an energetic massage, like very traditional, you know, working in that type of space or room. But there's a lot of different ways to use Reiki energy. So I'd love for you to highlight some of those and some of your favorites. Yeah, that I love that energetic massage. That's how I definitely feel what I use for it for self-healing. So I usually do that to bring me to sleep when I'm laying in bed at night. And if there's a part of my body that I know needs specific healing, I'll place my hands on that. I'll connect to the Reiki energy and I'll do a self-healing. I also like to do that, um, you know, after a, a meditation practice, if I just go into Shavasana, really anytime in Shavasana, I, I just like to give myself Reiki. And that's how I feel connected to it. Um, and I get to have like those, those buzzy vibrations. And, you know, I always thought that using the Reiki energy had to be in that tangible way where I had to call upon the Reiki energy. Like I normally do. I had to do the proper hand positions. I had to do the symbols, you know, all the technical stuff. And as I brought in out my intuitive gifts, I'm realizing that it just comes in naturally. I don't necessarily all the time need to call it in in a specific way that it just comes forward, right? It's this connection to the spiritual world and it's this loving, unconditional energy that just naturally happens with us. So, you know, in ways where I feel like I'm using it and I'm not necessarily doing all the technical things to access it, it's anytime I'm with a client and this like rush of compassion and love comes forward to them I believe that's the Reiki energy and, and I know they can feel that because I talk to clients who are empaths whether they know that or not and they literally it's so funny because when they don't know it and I can tell them that they are and they're like I just literally feel so good right now I don't know why but I just feel so good and Rachel I know you experienced that too after we <laughs> the client and they're just like you just make me feel so good like and they're all just like moving and grooving after and it's like yeah like where there's definitely an energy exchange happening here and I didn't necessarily call upon the Reiki energy specifically I just know that it always comes through yeah and that that brought up an interesting question I'm, I'm curious your take on this because you know the way I traditionally stood or understood Reiki was that it comes from a lineage and it's it's you know source energy that's passed down through humans and what you're saying I love because it's almost like this evolutionary Reiki energy which is just the tool the modality in the same way that using your just general intuition or clairvoyance or any of those gifts would be but you're merging it with your own power and your own knowing and that's really it, it's your love but still the same you know oneness source of where all love comes from so it's a fusion of energy so explain to me a little bit about a little bit more about like what your lens your perception on that and the way I explained it does that resonate or how do you how do you work with your energy like is it something channeled through you or is it something that comes from your own space from your own energy from your own heart center yeah I love the way that you explained it and I think that actually goes along with the idea like from the yogic principles we are touching on this today and so there's certain qualities you can bring to your yoga practice in order to get to that place of transcendental wisdom um, and higher consciousness. And one of them is through continued awareness. So 
the, the consistency of aligning your intention with your practice and your attention to the practice. So basically you're consistently focused on what kind of energy you're bringing into your life. And the step after that is Samadhi. And that's where you unite with the practice as one, where it's not just like, all right, here's my hour long yoga practice on my mat today. It's seamless in everything that you do. It's in the conversations that you have. It's how you walk down the street, go to the grocery store, the relationships that you have. Samadhi, it's unity, it's one, it's consciousness. And ultimately, that's what we're striving towards, right? We're striving towards unity consciousness, and it's not so separate into boxes. Now, when you're first starting out, though, you you need to do that. You have to separate it. You have to put it into boxes so that you know what you're doing. So the technicality, it brings something tangible. And that's what I really liked about the Reiki energy is that I needed a tool. I needed that to, that solid ground to lay down the foundational work, the technical, the technicalities of it so that I had a tool. And that was kind of where my trust was coming from. I was having trust in myself. I trusted the process. I trusted the techniques. And then once you kind of have that, it just naturally merges with your own intuitive powers. And it's so unique to each person, right? So I'm an empath and I feel things. And that only strengthened my ability to feel things from other people. And now it's starting to go into claircognizant where I'm knowing things. Just I, I, I know things. Um and like what direction to take things. And I, I don't have to second guess myself. It's just this inner knowing, right? And it's this outpouring and expansion of your intuitive gifts and uniting them all as one and not necessarily having to put them in boxes anymore. But definitely when you first start learning, you you need to do that. You want to learn the tools and the techniques. And it's funny because even when I was first in my, maybe that's why I didn't connect with Reiki in the beginning is because I wanted even more tools. I was like, this is it. I need more hand placements. Like I need more specifics like how exactly is this energy shooting out of my hands like I don't see it I'm I'm not feeling it so I think I was just like searching for a way to think <laughs> I, know, I was like this is a way and I was searching for such a, the, t the tangibility right but I didn't I wasn't awakened to the subtlety of everything that was happening and all the transformation that was happening so when I finally felt called to to join Reiki 2 and um I went through another healer to receive my Reiki certification. That's when I really started to feel the change in my body, how that can like the spiritual and the energetic body really affects the physical body. Totally. And even just to kind of circle back to one thing you said, I want to bring this into context for those who might be listening in, you know, the Samadhi and the, and the unity with your practice. So what does that actually mean? Because when you learned this in your Rikishi training a few years ago, like, to me, I thought, okay, merging with your yoga practice means you become a yogi. Maybe you like live in the Himalayas and you, you know, eat vegan and do all those things. And what I've come to realize is that it's not that at all. Like the reason you practice yoga is to really get familiar with yourself and use your will and your discipline to really will yourself into loving through, you know, other experiences and loving yourself and then, you know, in turn learning to love other people. So for me, and this is just how I put it into words, there's a million ways to do this, but when you really merge with your practice, what it means is that in all aspects of your life, you're practicing love or you're practicing light, you're practicing, your, you know, using your intuition, whatever phrase you want to put on it. And so it can be as simple as when you're a practicing yogi, like you're at the grocery store and someone cuts you off in line and, and you know, you, you of course get frustrated by that. It's, it's flipping your experience and the narrative in your head so that you can always be living from a state of peace and 
not projecting your own experiences onto someone else and always controlling your inner experience. So just wanted to really ground down into that. It's a little bit of a tangent from the Reiki energy, but you know, it, I think it's hard to understand like, okay, what does embodying Reiki mean? I'm just giving Reiki all the time. And it's like, no, not at all. It's the way you're explaining it, which is like, you're in any and all situations. You're having breakfast with your kids. You're having a proper waking trip with your husband. And it's being able to come forward with that love you were describing when you use Reiki energy naturally and infusing every experience that you have with that as often as possible. Um, so yeah, just, just wanted to touch on that. And did you have any thoughts on that before we kind of dive into some of the lineage of Reiki? No, that was beautiful. So I want you to talk a little bit more about where the Reiki energy comes from and more specifically your lineage, but just in general, how that, how that kind of works. Because when I first learned about this, it was fascinating, right? Like, oh, there's different types of this energy and it has cool names and, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of different lineages. So tell me a little bit more about that and about yours specifically that you studied and embody. Yeah. So I was, I studied under the lineage of Yusui. um, And so Reiki comes from a Japanese technique to channel in the energy. And so, you know, he passed it down, it, it, it traces back to Yusui. And then we can even trace it back probably before then from Yusui, when they try to channel where this energy really came from, they have found that there's four other types of Reiki energy. So it's really been around for a long time and Yusui was around in the 1900s. And so he passed it down from um, practitioner to practitioner. And now um, the most tangible practitioner that I receive trainings from is William Rand. And he's from Reiki.org. And, you know, he leads a lot of Reiki trainings in the West and, and brought it here. And so he really, um, the Reiki organization, they are the ones that like bring all the manuals and the tools together and the resources um, and really make this Reiki community strong in the West. And so that's kind of where the lineage comes from. And then you know, where it comes from spiritually, it comes from, you know, the spiritual world. And this is where it gets like really etheric and um, elusive and specific to that person and their experience. And, um, you know, like I, I can't say specifically where I'm, I'm channeling the Reiki energy from, but when you learn Reiki, you'll learn that it comes from specific levels of the heavens above from the spiritual world um, and from the, the brothers and sisters of the light. And so as you get deeper into your practice, you start to work with the brothers and sisters of the light, um, which are basically variations of spirit guides, but from the higher levels of consciousness, so higher levels of, of the heaven. So it's just a really pure, angelic, and really light, loving energy is all you really need to know that comes from the spiritual world. And that, you know, as you get on this journey, it can get more specific as to which guides you start to work with to channel this energy. And for those of us listening who are like, wait, that is too etheric for me, give us a little behind the scenes. So what I mean is like, so say you're doing a Reiki session and you're tapped into your guides, like what's guiding you? What does that look like? What does it sound like? And just to preface for everyone, this is unique by practitioner, but I would just love to get the behind the scenes on your experience. Like what guides you, you know, what are you tapped into when you're working with someone's energy and what are the the biggest signs for you and understanding where to be guided to and how to bring up specific questions around, you know, someone's chakra or different places in their body that might be holding energy that's no longer useful in certain moments. Yeah. So there's something that you learn um, in, in training is how you can find your own way of understanding what that person needs and where the energy goes. And, you know, basically in Reiki is what's great about it is that 
even if you're at their head and let's say their energy needs to go to their feet, the Reiki energy is intelligent enough that it goes to where it needs to. Um, so if someone, let's say you're working at their crown of their head, for example, they may start to feel the buzzing in their feet and it's just naturally going there. So that's validating as well. And yeah, I work with the chakra system because again, I like tangibility things and that's just, it's one of the yogic systems. It's always resonated with me. So I always use that as my template to base off of, of where do I feel the energy? And it's, it's really just intuitive of where you feel the energy needing to go. And, you know, the signs that I get, sometimes it can be colors. I work with the animal world a lot. So I'll get certain animals that come to mind. And then that can clue us in as to why this animal is here to help this specific healing of the specific part of the body, for example. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really personal experience of that person. And for me, a lot being an empath, it's the feeling, right? So I feel the vibrations, I feel the temperature change, and then I know where the energy is flowing, for example. And if I'm feeling like I just need to be here right now for a while to let this energy flow, then, then I'll be there for a while, um, until I feel called to go a different part of their body. Thank you for sharing that. I know it's hard to articulate and put into words, so I appreciate you you doing that for us. And one healing step, what you didn't mention, but we all know that you love to use, is Ayurveda. So can you help us connect the dots on like how are these two sciences connected? And you know, if someone's just beginning their work in either of them, or maybe you know deepening their work, what would you recommend on ways to infuse Reiki with Ayurveda? Oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, Ayurveda, even though it's known to be more of the working with the physical body and diet and lifestyle, there's this huge spiritual aspect, which is, like you said, the premature cause of any disease. So I love specifically the spiritual side of Ayurveda because it is the deeper connection to it. It is the root cause of the imbalance. So I always love exploring that realm of it. And when I, for example, if I were to do... If I'm working with a client, I'm always looking at the root cause. So I'm looking at where is the spiritual disconnection happening here? Um, so for example, I had a client and she, her life, um, you know, physically in her body has issues in the sacral chakra area. So issues with digestion, sacral and, and manipura. So um, in third, so <laughs> second chakra and third chakra. So um, issues with digestion, is huge for her. It's, it's the main problem that we're working on. Um, and this whole burnout thing, right? So there's this definitely this need to overwork herself to burn out. There's a lack of fire. And I know that that's related to that area of the body of the chakra system, because that's what the elements in Ayurveda tell us. And that's what the chakra system lays out for us. So for example, lack of fire and fire lives in the third chakra. So I know that that is where there's an imbalance in the body. So when I'm assessing this client, I'm seeing, okay, this is where the first connection happens. And we always work from the lower chakras upward because this, that's how the energy flows. It can only go from the first, second, third, and above. It can't just kind of work its way and weave in and out of chakras, which is a, a common misconception. And so through that, I realize, you know, also what's going on in the sacral chakra, there's a lack of boundaries where you know, a lot of people in this situation, they feel like they have to give, 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 and they don't know how to sometimes say no to things so that they can create boundaries for themselves so that they know when is enough and when I can say no to something so that I can do something more for myself and fill my own cup. 
Um, so it's basically like an assessment of the chakra system and then seeing what that root cause of disease is and how that interplay to that spiritual connection. And to me, that's where I really get the breakthroughs when I work with my clients is because when I understand when on that level, it, it hits them to their soul. And like, you know, it, we really get breakthroughs. It's can be really emotional for them for someone to kind of point out what's going on in their subconscious mind. It's like, wow, someone actually gets me and is pointing out this thing that I've been having in the dark for a really long time and they're shedding light on it. And that's honestly what a practitioner and your, your guide does. It, it sheds light on the path for you. It's not pointing out your dark shadows as a bad thing, but it's to shed light on what is possible and to shed light on what their truth is. So I, I, I really love bringing into the Ayurveda practice and, you know, if it, if they feel called and they're connected to the energy, then I will offer Reiki at the end so they can feel what it's like to have this lightness about them to awaken a certain part of their body, you know, like, so a, a chakra can be closed or it can be open, you know, and sometimes it's in between. And when you feel that openness, then it changes, it changes you and you, then you can go about your, your problems or your imbalances with this open channel. That's amazing. And you're really channeling Sinopa there. Her, her favorite line is, you know, people just want to be seen. They want to be heard and they want to know that what they say really matters. And what I'm hearing from you is this is a really holistic system using Ayurveda for the physical body, the chakra system for maybe more of the mental and spiritual body. And then also infusing Reiki to help understand things from a really deep level of truly mind, body, and soul. And you mentioned boundaries when you were talking about breakfast with a client and that actually was the next question I wanted to ask you is as an energy healer, energy worker, how do you create and sustain boundaries for your own energy? And I know this is something we talked about in our last podcast where, you know, something all of us struggle with and it shows up in the car. If you, so if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear like what you've learned from your experiences and to stop having dead batteries in the Jeep. Like <laughs> what have you put into play to create stronger boundaries and sustain your own energy? Yeah, that's funny. Thank you for the Oprah comment. That means everything to me. So oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I'll have a good week now. Um, but yeah, with the energy thing, it's a constant learning process. I've told my guides, please don't do that to my car anymore. I have a different way of sending that message. I just can't deal with that anymore. But I, I, I honestly think that I um, have really built the boundaries and done the work and have gotten validation from healers of myself, which is nice. Um, and it's, it's honestly the, the lesson it's actually channeling Oprah again. She always asks, what's the lesson that's taking you the longest to learn? And I've always, when I go on her podcast one day, I, oh, this will be my response is how to contain my own energy, keep my own cup filled and not give my energy to others. Um, cause I feel like it just constantly shows up in different ways and it evolves for me, but you know, Cleaning your energetic space after every client session together is just so huge and important. And it's just so hard for me to grasp that something so simple um, and like not really tangible can make a huge difference. And it doesn't have to be something crazy. It just, sometimes it's just like breath work of like deep exhales of, okay, I'm letting go of 
what's going to happen in that client's transformation. It's now in their hands. It's not my power or my responsibility for them to make that happen for themselves. They have to do that on their own. And I empower them to do that too. And I trust them. And so whatever it is, whether it's lately, I've been just doing like a lot of breath or just like moving out my arms in an outward direction. Um, that's what I feel called to do. And, you know, other times we'll use Palo Santo to cleanse the auric field and any type of smoking. So I always bring it back to the elements. So you can work with water. I always love showering at the end of the day anyways. And that's really cleansing to me. You can do something as simple as just like washing your hands. Um, if you're working with fire, you can obviously burn Palo Santo, burn incense or sage. If you're working with earth, you can ground your feet in the earth. You can touch a tree to transform the energy that's in your body. Um, and if you're working with air, you can use your breath. So there's really, and it's so specific to you. Like these are just examples and things that I use, but you can really transform these to work for you so that they feel really authentic to you. But that's really important. It's just cleansing after every session with a client so that you can separate yourself from that um, is really important because then you just kind of hold on to that energy and you don't know it. And you could possibly, if you go from one client to the next, you could possibly be bringing in that energy of the other client with the other client, right? Because you haven't fully let that go. So it's just, it's good for everyone just to detach, to cut the cords, to feel the truth of your own energy. Um, yeah. Before, before moving on. Totally. And I keep thinking, um, we, we shared an energy healer who is a friend of mine and I had a session last week after Angelica and she said something about her at the beginning of the session, like, oh, your business partner is such a beautiful energy. She's so powerful, but so soft. And I was just like, wow, yes, like that is exactly the way to describe you. And I think you're, you know, it's amazing to see you evolve and really channel that power because I think before what was happening is you have such a big heart and sharing it, sharing it, sharing it with all these people who weren't energetically always even ready to receive or really sucking you dry of that power. And now it's amazing to see, you know, that reservoir of all of this new power and really putting it in the right direction and in the right ways as you found as you've created for yourself. And you're seeing the tangibility of how much more powerful transformations are with the people you work with when they're ready and they show up and they go there with you versus, you know, you have the outpouring of love. It's like it give and receive. And you know, a really powerful book by Deepak, uh, I think it's, I'm blanking on the name, but the seven rules to success is basic, the seven spiritual laws of success, I think. And this idea that there has to always be an energetic exchange is equal, right? So you can't give without receiving, you can't receive without giving. And so that's really opening up a whole new world for not just you, but anybody speaking more generally here, like, when you are able to shut down and close off the boundaries and you know, tap into your own energy and keep it, you know, conserved there, you're actually better able when you do pour it outward to have more of an impact and an impact in the right ways. So yeah, I'm, I'm, when she said that about you, I was just like, whoa, like it was like an aha for me about you. Like, yes, that's exactly the phrase I would use to describe that. Oh, so, oh yeah. thank you. Yeah, that's actually really interesting talking about the give and receive thing. So I feel like I went from one end of the spectrum where I was like, okay, no, like these are my boundaries. I can't take on one more client for this month, for example, or something like that. Or I can't go to this event because I promised myself this day of self-care and this day of rest, for example. And then 
you know, but also allowing yourself to receive is so huge. And I think we talk about this too with Soulful and like, it's the little wins, it's the mundane things of just being gratitude for the things that you already have, the things that you have created and really honoring the little wins that you do have allows you to receive them. You know, so many times it's so little, like someone will message us on Instagram and just be like, I love your page and all the information, the value you've given. And that's honestly, it's our goal, right? One day heal one person every day, do something. And like, that's huge. If you receive something that can seem so small, but it's actually allowing yourself to receive all the the energy that you're giving out to the world. So that has also been a really relevant lesson, I think, that I'm continuing to still learn as well. I couldn't agree more. And something that's been really present for me lately is, you know, when you get frustrated, and this was on a super soul that I was listening to, and I was just like, yes, this is, I love this. But Oprah was talking about, and she had people, I think it was a recording of her show, so people were coming on stage and asking questions. And a woman came up and she said, I'm a caretaker and I just give and give and give and I'm waiting for the good karma. Like, where is my good karma? And Oprah stopped her and she was like, listen to the intention behind what you're doing. Like, you're no longer giving because you're giving from a place of resentment. So to create good karma, you can't be thinking of it as it's a give and a receive. You're doing things for the intention that you love to do it, that it lights you up and it's coming from a loving place. And I think that's a really powerful lesson because it's really easy to understand give and receive. Like I remember when I was in corporate sales and like that was something you learned. Like you're giving something to your client, you ask something of your client. And you know, while that seems really black and white, oftentimes it's, it's truly not right. We have to look at the why behind why we're doing anything from the intention. Like what's the why here? What's the intention? And we both love this. And it's, it's like where, you know, how can I serve in a way that feels good to me so that even when I'm giving, I'm receiving something just by giving. And that's truly where the good karma comes in, in full circle. And at that point, it's not even good karma anymore, right? Because you already created the experience you wanted to have just by giving. So I think, you know, it's important to talk about, about both of those things. Yeah, wait, I just had an aha moment. That's really great. So it's interesting because karma is one, another really common misconception in general. So people think, if you do something bad, then you're going to get that exact bad in return. So for example, if I talk bad about someone and then the next week I find out that a friend talks bad about me, it doesn't happen that linear, right? It is not black and white as black and white as you say. So we can't think of our lives as that. So, and it's interesting, you can relate it back to the chakra system too. So if you are doing things, giving out of resentment, that's in the sacral chakra because that's where we hold our lower emotions and we're vibing at a lower state. But if we uplift that, transcend that energy to the heart chakra, and we're doing it out of love and compassion, then we're meeting that vibration and you become that vibration. So that is when you really start to radiate love and compassion. And when you just become that, then you naturally are that. You don't need to attract it. You just, you are that. You are that vibration. You are love. You are compassion. So you don't need to call it in anymore. You've already elevated yourself to that vibration. So that's how karma works too, is that you just naturally do good things because you are vibrating at that state. And then as you go through each of these lifetimes, you start to peel away the layers. You start to shut away the karmas that you have built not, that are not necessarily bad, but the ones that have been vibrating at a lower state. Um, so that is like each lifetime you have a new opportunity for you to peel back layers to smooth the grooves of the karmas so that you can really step into this higher vibrational state. Mm. 
And bringing that full circle back to Reiki, what Reiki is truly doing is it's giving you that little like swift kick in the tush to up level your energy, right? Like you're helping facilitate that for somebody. And when you're talking about lower vibration emotions, when things that happen, you know, something that happens when you elevate yourself into a higher state of consciousness is you overall start to up level your overall vibration and those sensations or old patterns can no longer hold on. They like literally get obliterated with that higher energy. And so, you know, if you were to bring Reiki down to a simple term, like not being able to use Reiki and describing it to someone is that's what you're doing, right? You're helping people live in this state of vibration where these old samskaras or patterns or things, beliefs that aren't serving them truly have to fall away because they, they can't live in an environment like that. It's like, you know, trying to have a cactus live in the Arctic. Like, it just can't survive. And that's what's happening with these emotions and some of these lower things. So, you know, kind of, a, you know, the third aha really quickened for me how to, how to articulate that from a different perspective. So, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love that because that is what Reiki energy does. So it moves the energy. So can, you know, help to uplift the blockages, the stuff that we're holding on that we don't really know that's there. So... For example, and I'm going to go into a friend's story, but be a little bit more vague just for her own privacy. But so she was in her master's Reiki um, or Reiki too. I don't remember which one, but she was, they were doing a surgical um, Reiki operation on her basically. So just using like higher tools to remove certain blockages. So when she went on the table, all the students felt this sword that was in her, right? And so she had something traumatizing happen to her a couple of years ago that she hadn't let go of that she knew she wanted to release. And so this sword and the story with it really validated that experience for her that she was still holding on to this trauma a couple of years ago. And when she released it, like she was, she felt that release, right? And she had that freedom and she had that ending of that, that trauma and she was able to raise her vibration and then she wasn't feeling that heaviness. So, you know, that's a kind of a more tangible way of the way that the Reiki energy works, but you can remove those things that have been weighing you down so that you can experience what it's like to feel lighter and vibrational. And doesn't mean that you can never take on another low vibrational thing again, but you don't live and worry like that anymore. You just, you know what it, you start to live and breathe the love and the compassion, the higher vibrations. And like you said, it obliterates the, the lower yeah, I love the word obliterate. It just seems perfect. Like I'm <laughs> literally like picturing like anger getting, you know, blown up. <laughs> um, that was that was a perfect example and really helps, you know, canvas the, the scenarios and, you know, an actual situation someone can relate to. So that was really helpful. And the next thing I want to dive into is, okay, like, yes, I love Reiki. Tell me more. Like, how do I start to use this energy? And we talked about that a little bit, like, how do you use it? How do you help people with it? But one thing that I feel like is causing is that a lot of people are starting to use the title like Reiki master, or I practice Reiki, and it's becoming, I don't want to use the word commoditized, but but in a way, right? Like in the same way that a lot of people now have gone through yoga teacher training as compared to like a decade or two decades ago. And a lot of people like, you know, you're using it in this way too, like coaching clients doing something else and using Reiki energy. And so my question to you is for people who want to dive into this, but aren't sure what to do after, like, what do you see as the future of Reiki? Um, granted, that's, you know, a unique question, but in general, how do you find the answers for someone? If you're someone seeking, like, what do I do with Reiki? And what do you have, you know, as advice for people who are seeking a career in energy healing or in love healing? Yeah, so it's really unique to that person. And all it does is it amplifies your intuitive powers and, you know, 
we know that they're all specific to each person. So my path is going to look so different than someone else's. But so my path, I entered as an empath. And that was my initial intuitive powers was that feeling state and the sensations. And once you start to strengthen that one power, then it overflows to the next one. So like I said, I was talking about claircognizant and how I know things now. And so I'm, I'm trusting my intuition and trusting the knowledge that gets channeled to me. Um, and, you know, and then this will overflow and then maybe I'll start to hear things or maybe I'll start to have more visions and, and things like this, for example. And so it's really specific to that person and, and how they want to use it. So mine, obviously, I think was more of a clearer path. I'm an energy healer. I have been for many lifetimes. So it's it's really clear that I'm a healer. And so I, I just use it naturally. Like I said, not necessarily the tangible way of someone laying on a bed and then me giving their energy. I mean, that definitely is super healing, but the love and the compassion and energy just will naturally flow with through me while I'm giving a client session, for example. So it's unique to what that person is doing. And, you know, for example, we have, we have a client and she's um, she works with hospice patients and I just, she just came to mind. And I think of like, she could definitely use this for her patients if she's not already using that of this like loving and this healing energy. Um, so it can be used for, you know, healers come in all shapes and forms. They don't have to look like energetic healers or holistic healers. Um, they can work in a, in a lot of different professions. And I think that's the beauty of it. And as far as using it in a tangible way, you know, for a while, like, yeah, very long time having the Reiki energy, I would just give it at the end of yoga classes. I wouldn't really say anything about it. I would have my students come up to me after class and be like, what just happened? Like, whoa. And then, you know, some of my students were intuitive and were like, oh my God, my third eye just had a crazy opening and check out this vision that I had. And it would just be connections like that, that I would love, but I never thought of doing it as part of quote unquote work. Um, and I think that's a lot of the times where energy healers or healers of any modalities, it's co not controversial, but it's really hard for them to charge for their services because, you know, where's that balance between, oh, I'm just giving because I love, I love it. And I'm being compassionate to, um, you know, there is that energetic exchange where I am giving to someone and that they go give me that exchange in the form of uh, monetary value in exchange. So as far as building that type of practice, again, that looks different to you. I think that main modality is finding what your purpose is. So mine is Ayurveda and yoga. And so I use that with one-on-ones with people when we work on their transformation process from A to B. And so for others, for example, like our um, her friend who works with hospice patients, she can use that as energy healing sessions as part of her consultation. So it definitely looks different person to person, but I encourage anyone who receives the Reiki energy just to start using it right away. And, um, you know, and after Reiki one, you can use it for self-healing and, and on others just mainly to practice. But in Reiki two is when you can start charging for your services. And I do really recommend starting to do that as soon as possible so that you are still connected with the Reiki energy. You start getting the practice just like anything else in life and that you are valuing the energetic exchange that you're giving to others. Yeah, and I'm super happy you brought that up because I think that is a problem. You know, a lot of healers love to give away, you know, whatever their gifts are because they have really big hearts and really open hearts and they feel called that that is their life's purpose. 
And, you know, I think what you said is powerful. One, if you're feeling the call to start working with energy and Reiki in general, then, you know, it's, it's the right thing for you because the main thing that Reiki does is enhance the intuition that you already have. And something that was not clear to me, um, but has recently become clear to me is like, we all have intuitive gifts and they just show up in different ways. And so by starting to work with Reiki, if you feel called to do so, you can start to tap into other ways that you connect with people, how you think about yourself, how you connect with yourself and whatever that looks like for you. And, you know, the closer you get to that energy and to that place within yourself, the closer you'll get to a life that mirrors exactly, you know, what you desire because you'll be working from a place and you know able to manifest through abundance in a form that looks exactly right to your life based on your life purpose or your dharma so um you know i love diving into the business aspect of things mm-hmm. and i i think too like it's it's such good advice to you know start charging right away or if you can't charge find an energetic exchange so if it's free make sure you're truly loving it and like you know giving it away for free because you want to, because you love to, and not holding on to resentment there, or even doing it in exchange of things that aren't monetary, like maybe exchange of services, but making sure that whenever you're giving, it's from that really, you know, open heart centered place, but not overly open and not, not closed because it's, it's not an energy that resonates. So I love this, you know, weaving the business into this type of thing, because, you know, not everything has to become a business, but if you are learning gifts, like it's nice to understand how to make things sustainable and see yourself and a vision of yourself on a life purpose that makes sense to you versus feeling like it has to be a hobby or, you know, has to have a specific outcome. There's, there's different ways to get an energetic exchange um, from, from both sides of the coin. So the way that I want to wrap this up is I just want you to share a little bit about how people can start learning Reiki specifically from you. You have a training coming up. So Tell us a little bit more about it, what it is, all of the the juicy details. Yes, um, I'm really excited to be leading it. I'm leading it online, and um, I wasn't going to do this until I received my certification to lead Reiki online trainings. And, um, you know, in short, this there was a recent download of higher Reiki energies to be able to offer the, this virtually because before the Reiki energy wasn't as powerful enough, I guess you could say. I mean, it was, but it's it's now even stronger um, once you receive this new download so that it can go virtually. Um, so I took that certification and I'm leading the online training Saturday, May 16th for Reiki 1. It's all day, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., we have an hour lunch break and then, you know, really contingent on the group. We might break this up between two days just to get less screen time. Um, I must say, though, during the training, we there is a lot of um, meditation and there's a lot of um, like downtime and breaks in between. So it, it'll feel really doable. Um, and then Sunday, May 17th is Reiki 2. And so in Reiki 1, you learn self-healing. You learn the basics of the chakra system. You learn the history of Reiki, where it came from. You start to learn the hand positions and the techniques that you can use to channel the Reiki energy. And then, of course, you start to practice it on yourself. You start to practice it on others. Um, all of the all the logistics, laying down the groundwork, laying down the foundation. And then if you personally, I wish I would have done Reiki 2 sooner because I didn't feel connected or I didn't feel empowered enough to use it until I did Reiki 2. So I always encourage if you are really wanting to tap into your intuitive gifts that you just do one and two all together because in two, you can start charging for your services. So if you're 
it it really depends on your intention. But if your intention is to tap into your intuitive powers, is to use it with your clients, then definitely do Reiki 1 and 2. And so in Reiki 2, you learn distance Reiki so that you can give virtual sessions. Um, You learn a deeper sense of the chakra system. So maybe understanding your clients from that spiritual imbalance standpoint. Um, We're also going to learn new symbols. So activating the Reiki symbols just heightens the energy to flow when you channel it. Um, and we'll also in, in Reiki to start to work with the Kundalini energy, which is a different system than the Reiki energy. Um, but just because I know that we'll have this time, um, it's another way to tap into, into the spirit, um, and, and, and the energetic body. So there's a lot and both are all day and yeah, that is the kind of the logistics behind it. It's, um, it's, it's really, it's really fun, especially when you receive the ignitions, when you start to receive the energy, it's, it's amazing just to have your own experiences. I get chills when I think of, you know, my Reiki two training and the transformation that I had. So it's, it's transformation for sure. And you have to feel called to it. Yeah. And I think one thing I'm going to say, cause you wouldn't say it about yourself, but a really powerful thing about doing this training specifically with Angelica is the depth of knowledge that you two have in all subjects. So like you mentioned, you're going to be working with Kundalini energy. You understand, you know, how to keep Oza strong during this training from like more of an Ayurvedic perspective. You're trained in meditation and you really deeply know the chakra system. And so when you do have knowledge of all of those different modalities, you bring the best of all of those worlds. But you also are so good about making things really tangible and accessible and not oversimplifying, but making sure it's simple enough where you grab onto the main point and, you know, never lose sight of the true intention of what you're doing so highly recommend angelica obviously i'm biased but um oh, thank <laughs> it's it's yeah gonna be an amazing training so if you want to find out more there is a link in our instagram bio where you can sign up and also is there anywhere else angelica that you want them to be able to find it or yeah we're posting about it um just my own stories and experiences so that you can see if it's something that you feel connected to and if it aligns with your intention and things that you've been experiencing. Um, but yeah, other than that, the link is at soulfulveda.com slash Reiki dash one dash two dash training. And there's all the logistics and info, but we, I encourage you just to direct message us to at soulfulveda. Um, I'm happy to answer any of your questions. If you're on the fence, if you're like, I think I should do it a year from now, I fully support all decisions. Um, so yeah, just reach out to me. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on today, Angelica. This was lovely as always i learned so much as i always do from you so um we hope that you all enjoy